athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. No, I don't want them to gain another yard. You blitz all night! And if they cross the line of scrimmage, I'm gonna take every last one of you out. You make sure they remember forever the night they played the Titans. Every time I step in the booth, I bring the truth. You're locked into the dopest show on radio. This is Box to Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. What you heard, of course, was from the film Remember the Titans when Coach Yost told his guys, you blitz all night. He gave the Remember the Titans speech. Do you think that's the same speech that Todd Bowles gave or a similar speech that Todd Bowles gave to the Buccaneers because I'll tell you what that's in essence what the Buccaneers did the Buccaneers blitzed all night made Pat Mahomes uncomfortable and while I definitely was wrong and wrong by a lot I thought that the Chiefs would win and I thought it would be a high scoring game I was wrong on both accounts what I did mention is that Todd Bowles needed to blitz and blitz at the right moment. And he certainly did that. I mean, the Bucks were after Mahomes all night. And it resulted in a big Super Bowl victory for the Buccaneers. And so we're going to talk or wrap up the Super Bowl today here on Box to Row. As a matter of fact, we're also going to talk to a champion, Super Bowl champion today here on the program as we're going to be joined by Ryan Smith. Ryan Smith, special teamer and defensive back for the Buccaneers. He played his collegiate ball at North Carolina Central. He's going to join us today on the program. I want to get some perspective on him on what it meant to be on that field, to be a part of that team that won the Super Bowl. And remember, you got a lot of guys that are coming into the situation. Ryan Smith was originally drafted by the Buccaneers in the 2016 NFL draft, a fourth round pick again out of North Carolina Central. He's been with the organization and now is a Super Bowl champion. So Ryan Smith going to join us today here on the program. Listen, got to speak the truth. There's so much going on. I want to, a couple of things. First of all, Bill Nunn posthumously 
elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Bill Nunn is a West Virginia State graduate. For those that are unfamiliar with Bill Nunn, West Virginia State graduate was a sports writer for the Pittsburgh Courier, which was the newspaper back in the day, particularly as it related to black sports and the coverage of black sports and even more specifically black college sports. Well, he was hired by the Steelers in 1970 to scout the HBCU ranks. And he did that for, what, 44 years? He was with the Pittsburgh organization from 1970 until 2014 when he passed away. And you talk about those great Pittsburgh Steelers defenses, the ones that won Super Bowls in the 1970s, the Mel Blunts of the world, the Donnie Shells uh, of the world. All of those players scouted by building Elsie Greenwood, who should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame out of Arkansas Pine Bluff. So many other players over the years, you look at, you know, you look at a Javon Hargrave. He was being scouted, right, uh, while he was at South Carolina State. Uh, you look at any number of players from South Carolina State that went to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I mean, so many, and those are just a few that kind of come to mind. Well, he was posthumously inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame and very well-deserved. I mean, you know, you see the National Football League. I mean, we're seeing more recently that the league is aligning itself with HBCUs, even though we've known for years that some of the best players to ever play in the National Football League came out of HBCUs, the Walter Paytons of the world, the Jerry Rices of the world, the Jackie Slaters of the world, the list go Buck Buchanan, Willie Depp, the list, the list goes uh, on and on and on in terms of some of the greatest players to ever play, Willie Lanier uh, to play in the Hall of Fame came out of, uh, I'm sorry, the play in the National Football League came out of HBCU. So we, we want to talk a little bit more about that. But also the big news of the week. So last week, Norfolk State decided that it was going to opt out of the spring. And you know that the MEAC had gone from having nine schools playing in, uh, in the spring to six schools playing. Six schools were scheduled to play because you had the opt-out first by Florida A&M, then Bethune-Cookman, and then a couple of weeks ago by North Carolina Central. And so I'm like, okay, you still got six schools. That's good. You know, they all the MEAC did was the Norfolk State was in the north. And remember, I talked about this. That's something that they should do, and they moved Norfolk State from the north to the south. So you had south, so you had three on one side, Three teams on another side still would have been able to play in the have the MEAC championship game, the first ever MEAC football championship game. And once Norfolk State opted out, it was in serious trouble to have the championship game. So I thought ultimately that the MEAC may decide to cancel the football championship game. No, the MEAC ultimately decided to cancel the spring season. Now, member institutions are not bound by that per se. They just 
you know, I mean, you can play non-conference games. You can play conference opponents. Obviously, the MIAC, in essence, is not sponsoring football in the spring. That's what that means. Doesn't mean you can't play. Well, the first school to ultimately and officially say that it was not going to play in the spring either was North Carolina A&T. Shortly after that announcement was made, this was about 2 o'clock, I received the press release uh, released from the MIAC, and I was like, wow. Oh, wow. And I wondered, okay, will other teams decide to ultimately play? Well, A&T was the first to say that it ultimately wasn't going to play, had a chance to be on that press conference. It was with the athletics director, Earl Hilton. Also, Sam Washington, the head football coach, was on that press conference uh, as well. And, and actually, Earl Hilton was asked a question in terms of finances, how deep in the hole via COVID is North Carolina A&T? And he said right about $300,000 or so, which is a lot. But he also said that they, they were able to make it up through other means. And so, uh, and because when you look at it, and it, and it, and it was going to become a question, and it's still going to be a question mark on the table for the SWAC because also, speaking of the SWAC, Old Corn State has opted out of the spring season. And a lot of, you know, you have some schools that aren't happy about it. I mean, actually, um, Roman Banks, who's the athletics director at Southern, very vocal uh, about it, not happy about it at all because for for Southern, specifically for Southern, Southern only had two home games. One of those home games was Alcorn State. And so, you know, in essence, Roman Banks said, hey, we're all having to deal with this. I mean, if you're going to cancel foot, if you're going to cancel football, why are you still going to do spring activities? Whatever the case may be. I mean, that's up to Alcorn State. I'm all about the safety of the players. But it does bring up an interesting point. I mean, if you're going to have spring activities, why not play the schedule? I mean, I think it's, you know, it's it's going to be, I mean, the, the SWAC is in a different position because, A, up until Alcorn State decided to cancel, all 10 of its schools were going to play. Plus, this week, the SWAC put out its ESPN schedule. So quite a few games on ESPNU, the majority of the games on ESPN3, a lot of matchups involving Jackson State, who, by the way, has paused football activities due to COVID-19. So I tell you, it's just an interesting, it's just an interesting situation. You had a lot of things that came out this week. MIAC deciding no football. Alcorn State deciding no football. You had the release of the SWAC schedule. I mean, it's a lot going on right now. Box to Row had just released its All-America. Well, that was a couple of weeks ago, but it just released its coaches, or we released our coaches poll this year where A&T sat at the top of the poll, followed by Alcorn State in the preseason poll. Uh, was in the process next week on Monday of releasing also the media poll uh, as well. So, uh, you know, I, I, I tell you what, I mean, I think there are going to be some more teams that are ultimately going to opt out right now. The only teams that you're having that are playing in HBCU football uh, right now, I believe Edward Waters is playing. West Virginia State is playing in the uh, in the Mountain East Conference, which it, which is still continuing. Um, you know, Tennessee State is still playing. Hampton had already opted out. None of the MEAC schools, uh, and then all of the SWAC schools, but Alcorn State are still in it. 
Uh, there may be uh, – oh, and Langston is in it also. Everybody else is done, but I have a feeling as we approach the season, the SWAC is now about two weeks away or actually two weeks away from the start of its season. We're going to have some more teams to opt out. Definitely speaking the truth to you today here on Box to Row. I'm going to have some more thoughts a little bit later on in the program. Still to come here on from the Press Box to Press Row Super Bowl champion – Ryan Smith also going to talk some NASCAR and Daytona 500 with driver Joey Logano. But up next, my thoughts on the Super Bowl. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at box to row and on Facebook at From the Press Box to Press Row. And don't forget to tell your friends to check out all of the latest from Box to Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer. The neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. You're listening to... From the press box to press row. Still to come here on box to row, Ryan Smith of the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Also NASCAR driver Joey Logano. Let's talk some Super Bowl here on Box to Row. And I must say in the playoffs, and I think from week one up until the end of this season every week, I would give my prediction of who would win the various football games. In the playoffs, I went 6-7. and seven. I was 6-4 and four coming into the conference championship games, got both of those wrong, and got the Super Bowl wrong. So I was awful in terms of predictions down the stretch in the in the regular season pretty solid but when it came to playoff time I just wasn't ready I wasn't ready for prime time going six and seven in the playoffs and I'll tell you what with respect to the Super Bowl I mean I couldn't have been more wrong first of all I said it was going to be a high scoring game and it was high scoring on Tampa Bay's part then I also said ultimately that I thought the Chiefs would win. I thought that the special, because of the special player that ultimately is and still is Patrick Mahomes. Like, I mean, and I, and, I mean, I'm not going to give him a pass, but I think at the end of the day, we could all agree that he was under duress the entire game. One of the things I was right about <clears throat> was the defense of the Buccaneers. I said last week, I thought that if Ultimately, Todd Bowles blitz and when he blitz would be the key. Well, 
I mean, I guess I was half right because he blitzed on 50% of the plays. And I think ultimately he knew that the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line wasn't great. You you lose a left tackle. You have two weeks to try to, 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 to reformulate, if you will, that offensive line, move people around, try to make sure you have uh, the best offensive lineman at the best positions. And it, it, it wasn't, I mean, Pierre Paul definitely got pressure on the quarterback, no doubt about that. But a lot of, I mean, a lot of it was Sue and the inside. It was those tackles that were able to get pressure a lot of times. And not only the tackles, but a lot of the, the defensive back blitzes, whether there were corner blitzes, whether there were safety blitzes. I think one time Todd Bowles dialed up a two-corner blitz. I don't know. I'm not saying it hasn't ever happened before. I've watched a lot of football in my time and a lot of uh, NFL football, and I don't know that I've ever seen a double-corner blitz. So give Todd Bowles a whole lot of credit. By the way, I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, not sure why Todd Bowles is not more in the running for a head coaching position. I mean, he's been a head coach. Yeah, it didn't work out with the New York Jets. Like, sometimes it doesn't work out. It doesn't work out for a lot of coaches who, at the end of respective tenures, have losing records, which Todd Bowles had. Now, one year he had a winning record. The Jets went 10-6 and six one year under Todd Bowles and ultimately didn't make the playoffs. I don't think, and what was Todd Bowles' last year? May have been, what, 2000, may have been 2017. Uh, I mean, the Jets haven't been really good or haven't had a 10-6 and record since Todd Bowles. Obviously, haven't made the playoffs. So, I mean, you know, you definitely need to put Todd Bowles in that conversation, Byron Leftwich. I mean, what a game plan. Okay, and that's a solid Chiefs defense. And Tom Brady was Tom Brady, but you had Gronkowski. Like, Gronkowski hadn't done a lot in the playoffs. You knew he was going to be due two touchdown receptions, including that last touchdown reception when uh, Brady was scrambling and, Gronkowski was able to get himself open. You look at Antonio Brown had a couple of big catches. I mean, that was just in the running game, like the running game for the Buccaneers. The two-headed monster was absolutely spectacular. I mean, that was a beatdown uh, again because we can look at it. Like in the beginning, it was a little bit, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, Tampa was doing what Tampa does, but it, you know, they didn't start to pour it on. I mean, I think ultimately – the Chiefs kept themselves around, but ultimately that Tampa defense. I mean, the story of this game, as good as Tom Brady was and that offense was, the story of this Super Bowl was the Tampa Bay defense and what Todd Bowles was able to ultimately dial up. This kid, White, the linebacker, man, he's something special. That guy can play, and he had – an outstanding season, and really came to play during the playoffs. So, I mean, during the Super – I mean, with the playoffs and, and, and ultimately in the Super Bowl. So if you want to say kudos, give plenty of kudos to that Tampa Bay defense. 
But offensively, you look at the running game, very, very good, able to run the football. You look at the passing game, very, very good. You look at the offensive line, outstanding. And give the Bucks all the credit in the world uh, for doing it on all sides of the football. Now you can you you know you can criticize the field goals by the Chiefs. I mean, at the end of the day, uh the Chiefs were doing I mean, at least from an offensive standpoint, I mean, I don't know much more that the Chiefs could have done. Maybe run the football a little bit more. I mean, I think definitely they could have provided more pass protection to the offensive line. Uh maybe another offensive lineman, two tight end set. I don't know. But they, I mean, that that's probably something they could have done a little bit more. But I think even if they had done that, I just think the way that Todd Bowles was calling that game. I mean, at the end of the day, they definitely got, uh, I would say Andy Reid and his staff definitely got out coached. But at the same time, what more could you have done? I mean, that was like a Bucks defense and really Bucks team as a whole that was absolutely possessed. So congratulations to the Buccaneers. Big shots out to our affiliate WURK there in Tampa. I know they're feeling pretty good. Uh, And listen, the Buccaneers are poised to do it one more time, okay? They have some guys that they're going to have to think about that are going to be free agents. You know, Antonio Brown's one of those guys, et cetera. I mean, you know, it depends on the money, like, I mean, Antonio Brown, I mean, Antonio Brown, like, (laughs) there was a stat, and I was surprised by this, that said some, I think it was since maybe 2014, Antonio Brown had the most touchdown receptions of anybody. I'm I'm thinking to myself, wow, really? Because he hasn't really played the last couple of seasons when you really think about it. So it's like, wow. I mean, that that guy is, is great, Hall of Famer. Uh, when his playing days are over, no question about it. I mean, do you? I mean, the question becomes: Do you re-sign him? Uh, you know, I mean, you know, he 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 played. You know, he did some things in the Super Bowl. He was used in more of 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 a situation. You know, he wasn't the primary guy. Uh, not that he would be a primary guy, but I mean, he wasn't used or utilized as much as you think. And Antonio Brown would ultimately be utilized. So the question is, do you bring him back? I don't know. I mean, depends on the price tag. I mean, I got some other guys that I've got to take care of. I think the one thing about the Patriots, it's not like, okay, we need to fill this position, you know, where you're going to have to spend some more money on free agents. I think they're tight where they are. You know, a couple of running backs. Obviously got Brady. Um, you know, that defense is just absolutely phenomenal. You know that Leftwich and Todd Bowles are going to be back. So listen, the Bucks are going to be good again next year. Again, some decisions to make, but certainly uh, are going to be, have to be right now, the lead contender. Your thoughts, hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRo, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X. The number to R-O-W. Let me get back to uh, talking about uh, the MEAC and its cancellation of the football season. Delaware, some other teams are still going to play. 
Uh, Delaware State is one of those teams that that is going to play and, as a matter of fact, had a chance to catch it with Rod Milstead, who's the head football coach at Delaware State. And you can log on to our website for the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. I should say you can log on to our website at BoxToRow.com and listen to that interview with Rod Milstead. Uh, but again, I mean, you know, you go back to Florida A&M, who initially was the first one that decided to ultimately opt out. Then you knew Bethune-Cookman was going to opt out when Florida A&M opted out. And at the end of the day, like it really, it made sense because what to me, I mean, you know, again, I, I just used A&T as an example, but I mean, it's real. Their deficit because of COVID is about $300,000. And, and uh, the athletics director, Earl Hilton, mentioned the fact, he, he factored in a lot of different things, gate receipts, et cetera, et cetera. And if I'm Florida A&M and I'm Bethune-Cookman and I'm getting ready to make the move, then, you know, ultimately I'm going to go and decide not to play, retool, and get ready for the uh, SWAC season in 2021 in the fall. You know, North Carolina A&T, I mean, North Carolina Central, I got to be honest, like North Carolina Central, I'm very impressed because – this is a this is a, a school and a program that decided to make the move to uh, or FCS and the MEAC back in 2007, and it's 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 a school that they're very fiscally responsible to the point that unfortunately, because of COVID, it's disbanding the baseball program after uh, this season. So they'll play baseball 2021, then the program uh, go, baseball program goes away, but. Central's been fiscally responsible. It didn't make sense for Central to play football. So it ultimately opted out. Once Norfolk State opted out, I mean, that was pretty much it. What was uh, the MEAC to do? By the way, because uh, I'm up against a break, but released the box-to-row recruiting classes for uh, for this year. Just released those uh, this week on our website at BoxToRow.com. Again, we went through it last week. Some slight changes. Nothing. Re- Jackson State. Matter of fact, I was more impressed with Jackson State in terms of the actual signings on uh, National Signing Day than the mid-year signings because they had a bunch of three-star guys that were high school, four-star guys. I mean, Jackson State did a phenomenal job, but check that out on our website at BoxToRow.com. Up next here on Box to Row, we're going to talk with Super Bowl champion Ryan Smith. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can no matter who you're playing. Bubba Wallace. They feel like I am throwing a race into the context here and it's not about race he's a driver at the end of the day everybody's making it about race it's all about the headlines these days not me saying like yep i'm the black guy here you're gonna not stop hearing about me it was more along the lines of the fans like hey it's cool i've been dealing with that for, for a while he spiked lee thank you i haven't heard that i mean i've been on rails all over the nation thank you for that question i'm a third generation morehouse man i was taught to speak your truth and that there's very special about being a Morehouse man, the same way you feel about your school, the same way we feel all about our respective historic black colleges. That would have been my first choice. 
anyway, and I'm proud to be a Morehouse man. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, just really, you know, excited. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. Uh, it's a great story, and uh, I'm just having fun, you know, living my dream and riding the ride. Ron Rivera, you know, a great player. Did you see yourself as a coach? I've been told a lot of times by a lot of people, boy, you know, you're kind of like a coach on the field. I always felt at some point, yeah, I'd probably get into coaching. It all started because of my son wanting to play football. The one and only Michael Strahan. Always good to talk to you. Hopefully next time it won't be, what, 14 years. You get to <laughs> people to be better and do better and, and that's what i love man so thank you i appreciate you i'm talking about none other than common well i ended up with sam just because i wanted to major in business and sam you had the illustrious school of business then i found out that business was the key that's what i wanted to do dave roberts manager of the la dodgers to be person of color and be the manager of the dodgers what does that mean to you? well i think the first thing that comes to me is responsibility with recency and, and kind of the social, the racial issues that we're having that really come to light, which is, I believe, are good things. I think that it's a responsibility for me to be the first manager of color for the Dodgers. There's not many of us in baseball. To do things the right way, to hopefully give others, other people of color, opportunities. Hopefully it just paves the way. So I think that for me, I, I definitely look at it as responsibility, but something I'm willing to undertake. Omari Hartwick. And that's crazy that you say that. I got one of your colleagues and one of your contemporaries and that being Stephen A. He hit me about three weeks ago and he texted me and he said, oh, how did I miss this one? But it's equally been a beautiful thing for me to see how much you guys who work in sport are fans of me. But for you to like it as much as Stephen A. said he liked it and all within the last three weeks, you both are commenting on it. I'm in good company. We're, we're HBCU guys, you know. I know I'm in good well, company. Of course, bro. <laughs> Shout outs to Howard University. NBA All-Star Chris Paul. That was great to bring it back to Winston-Salem State University, a uh, black college. Something that my city had never seen before, may never see again, and just having a up close and personal feeling with LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Melodes. It was exciting. I'm grateful for those guys coming out. She's Simone Biles. Ashley was really fun. Like, to be honest, me and Allie had a lot of fun. We were like, oh, of course, like, we're in the best shape of our life. We're feeling confident about our body, and we hope that other young girls and women, like, feel that being strong is so beautiful. So that's what we kind of try to do. Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. Mm -hmm. All the top black athletes together along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh man, thank you for having me play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Snoop, you football league has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have grown to Division One. Kyrie Irving Playing at Duke for Coach K, what was that like and how that prepared you for the league now? Playing 11 games, you know, a lot of people think that's not a you know, big package for you to become a better player, but for me it was. Playing for Coach K, he gave me the keys to, to the car and I was driving it in first eight games and you know, being a part of something special like that and having the brotherhood built at an institution such as that one is an experience that you never forget. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey man, thanks for letting me talk a little music, movies, and sports. Hey, my favorite three topics. From the press box to press row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the press box to press row.
Real Relevant Radio. Let's continue here on Box to Row. We're joined by a gentleman. As a matter of fact, his team just won the Super Bowl. And our honorable mention, Box to Row All-American back in 2015. Former fourth-round draft pick by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the 2016 NFL Draft. He's Ryan Smith. Played, of course, his collegiate football at North Carolina Central. Ryan Smith joins us here on Box to Row. Ryan, congratulations. Welcome back to the program. Hey, man, I appreciate it, man. Thank you, thank you. Absolutely. This must have been is this this time it, the last couple of days must have been a world win for you. Yeah. It um I can't even explain it. Yeah, I mean just all that is going on winning the Super Bowl just take me through that. What was that like when the zeros were on the clock at the end of the game? Just just talk to us a little bit about your feelings. My feeling um like I said, it's 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 amazing. It's a feeling that I never ever experienced or had before. Um me telling you how I felt won't even it won't even justify the the real feel, like the feel that I had that I still have. Um I'm living it up right now, man. It's just a blessing. Um I definitely got that interception to definitely feel the game. It was over after that, man. It was I just ran on the field and it's, I just started rolling around. It was as it's been a long season. It's been a tough year. And to finish like that, man, it's definitely a blessing. Yeah, not not quite like winning a, a championship at North Carolina Central, right? But you won one. You won one at, at, with the Eagles. Man, that has nothing. I, I did, but that has nothing on this right here, man. Nothing at all. Like, hey, I, yeah, I won. It's a blessing to win that. But this right here, man, don't nothing top it. Yeah, no question about it. Ryan Smith, of course, defensive back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, joins us here on Box to Row. So you got to tell me about the boat parade, man. Like, what what was that like? Man, when I say that was the best experience of my life, I'm still, like, smiling about yesterday. Like, it's, it was so crazy. And it was the last minute because I think at first, the parade was supposed to be on Friday or Saturday, but um, BA said, you know, nobody's going to be here, so we got to do it Wednesday or we can't do it. So we basically, we found out about the parade Tuesday, Tuesday midday. And so for them to put all that together in such short notice, and the time that we had on the boat, like people, everybody was just having time of their lives. Like, didn't have, didn't have a care in the world what happened. They just, we're going to live in this moment. And that was the best time ever. Like, I never had that much fun in my life, ever, ever. It was so fun. Man, that is so awesome. So what were you thinking when you saw Tom Brady throw the Lombardi Trophy from one boat to the other? I didn't even see him do it. But when I, when I seen the video, I was like, only Tom. Only Tom can do that. That's crazy. <laughs> like, well, I don't even know what why he thought to do that, but it looked cool though. It definitely looked cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think only he could have. You know, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure the Lombardi Trophy's carrying a little weight. So you know, I mean, he still got like he still got. I and you know, I couldn't believe it. Like I would hear throughout the course of the season, like Tom Brady doesn't have the arm strength, and I'm thinking, are you watching these games? He's got that arm strength, right? Man, that's why I don't even pay attention to media and, and things people say. They don't know what they be talking about. And 
for for somebody to even think that was okay to say is baffling to me. <laughs> No question about it. Ryan Smith joins us here on the program. Speak, you know, because you've been with this organization for five years, so you know the inner workings. There's been some changes. Obviously, Bruce Arians uh, comes in. And, I mean, you could see that this team had the, the makings of a team that could really do some big things, even going back to last year. Speak to uh, what the addition of Tom Brady and some of the other guys – uh, meant towards obviously helping this Buccaneer uh, organization win its second Super Bowl. Man, we um, Tom definitely made an impact. Obviously, um, I felt like we always had the weapons to make it to the playoffs. Um, the Super Bowl was never—I mean, I never even thought about Super Bowl. But as far as making it to the playoffs and getting far in a season, I felt we always had the weapons to do that. The difference about the difference about Tom. Is, I mean, of course, it's a passing league. It's a quarterback league, you know. And a quarterback, you need a quarterback to win the Super Bowl. Tom is a he's a game manager, you know. And no disrespect to Jameis, but with Tom's experience, he knows. I mean, he knows how to win. Um, so you add Tom with the weapons we already had, and then you added more weapons. It was, was destined for greatness. Like, it's, I mean, it was, it was it's, it's supposed to be like this. Yeah, you add him. I mean, just a, a, a plethora of receivers already there. You add Antonio Brown. Speak to, you know, because you go up in practice all year, and even 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 last year and the previous years, you've gone up against this receiver core in practice. What, you know, what has that been like? And then a lot of those guys are veterans, been in the league a little bit longer than you. How has that, you know, sort of helped you uh, in your preparation for specifically playing uh, a defensive back position opposed to special teams? Um, It helped me a lot as far as um, staying on my, staying on my stuff, like knee fighting and everything, just because you see, I go, I go against them every day. They, they're the best in the game. So um, it's like whenever they keep me on my toes. So whenever, you know, I have to go in the game and somebody get hurt, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not like falling off or anything like that. I could still play corner, man. I'm, I'm really like that. So, um, going against them helped me a lot. Um, they be teaching me new things, not even knowing they're teaching me. Like, I'll be like, when we go in practice, they do certain things. I'm like, all right, cool. So this time, I'm gonna do this. If he does this, like things like that. So they really, like I said, they keep me on my toes and keep me prepared just in case you know I have to go in the game. Super Bowl champion Ryan Smith joins us here in the program. Of course, played his collegiate ball at North Carolina Central. Can you speak to sort of how your career has progressed with Tampa Bay in now your fifth or having just completed your fifth season? Um, it's it's uh, it's not going. I mean, it didn't go how I expected as far as, you know, um, not playing on defense a lot. But at the same time, man, I know I know how they how they feel about me, how they think about me, and um, it keeps me going. You know, um, it's, I'm it's, I'm I'm blessed to be here. You know, I say that all the time. Even though you know, it's not like college where um, I was the guy or one of the guys, one of the stars on the team. But um, it's definitely a blessing still being here and, and, and helping us and helping the team get to the Super Bowl. Uh, I got a lot left in me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm still young. I'm healthy. Um, so next year, you know, we're going to see what happens. But I'm definitely um, – I'm definitely excited to still be here. Yeah, no question about it. And, I mean, you guys have got to be the favorites 
for next year, you know, as we speak. Your days, let me take you back to those days at North Carolina Central again, winning, uh, you know, your last season uh, going out as MEAC champs. What do you remember most about those days at North Carolina Central? Man, I miss those days, especially my senior year. Those days were so much fun, um, especially the last game of the season we played in the beat. Uh, that, that game was amazing. Like, I had – everybody had so much confidence and swag about them going into that game <clears throat> um, just because, you know, a they are rivals. So it was like, you can have a terrible season the whole year. But as soon as you play a oh, yeah, everybody, everybody on go. So uh, that's – Playing that century was very was, was was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Then you know I pledged and I knew a lot of people. I had a lot of support. So um, every game was, was was special. Yeah, and then can you speak to you know we're we're DMV guys, right? Like you went to Wise, you know, and, and all that. Uh, you know, t- talk about. I mean, it's different. Like you know, it's different in the DMV, right? Like talk about how that even prepared you growing up there uh, for North Carolina Central. Oh yeah, it's definitely different. Um, people be sleep on us, man. Like, like we don't got athletes <laughs> coming out DMV. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we we really like that over here. But um, it's crazy because when I went to Central, I was like in a whole new um, environment. You know, I felt like my mom. You know, she just dropped me off and left me. I was by myself. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what I one soul out there. But it definitely prepared me for life, man. Because um, Durham, Durham in the hood, and you know, yeah, HBCU. So uh, you got to do a lot of stuff on your own. You know, you really, you really getting out the mud, like for real, for real. So uh, it prepared me. It, it prepared me a lot in life. <laughs> and you know what, man? Like, like, but I, I mean, okay. So yeah, you know, I'm, I, I've got some years on you, and the football. You know, when we were coming through, it's it's. It's good. It's much better now. Basketball's been the mainstay. It's, it was when I was coming through, and it is now still. Uh, but, you know, you got guys like Chase Young. I mean, the football is getting a lot better in the area. Mm-hmm. I, I think um, people starting to notice. You know, I feel like we always had them dogs. It's just people wasn't really noticing. Like, like you know, you got your, your basketball. Like, Maryland is pretty much a basketball state. You like Florida is a football state for real. You don't really see too many basketball players in, in, in Florida. You see basketball players in Maryland, though. So it's like, I guess, you know, people just were starting to produce. Not starting to produce. We've been producing. We're just getting more noticed. Um, we're doing it. And it's going to get better. Last thought, Ryan. We appreciate the time. So what, like, you know, you're still on this whirlwind. What's next, man? We're like, what, what do you, what do you, you know, what's your sort of your off season going to be like? Uh, and and, and uh, you know how long you're gonna take to kind of enjoy this before you get back at, at, at things to prepare for the uh, 2021 season. Um, that's funny. I, 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 on my live, not my live, my Instagram page, I told everybody I'm, I'm showing my butt for two weeks. I don't want to hear nothing from nobody. I ain't even think about nothing past that. I was being silly, of course, but um, I'm just living, I'm just lifting up this moment, man. I don't even I'm not even thinking about you know next season right now, man, because. This we had a long season and we had a fun season. I'm just I'm a self in for now and think about when I'm a train later. I probably start like in a March or something, but um, yeah, right now I'm just having fun, man. Rest my body, trying to travel and just enjoy enjoy this. 
It's a beautiful thing. The only North Carolina Central Eagle to win a Super Bowl former All-American at North Carolina Central just completed his fifth season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He is Ryan Smith. He is a Super Bowl champion, and he joins us here on Box to Row. Ryan, great to catch up with you, man. Again, congratulations and continued success in all you do. Thank you, Bobby. Appreciate it. Ryan Smith still on cloud nine as the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl, joining us here on Box to Row. And it's an interesting dynamic because Ryan has a decision to make. He signed a, a one-year agreement with the Buccaneers. I think that was back in May. So he's an unrestricted free agent for the 2021 season. Does he come back, try to win another Super Bowl, or as he mentioned, try to go somewhere else where he may get more playing time? Joey Logano is up. Missed next. any of our shows? How about our conversations with some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment? Check out Box to Row podcast at boxtorow.com or on Apple Podcasts. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsborough. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. On last week's From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. When I look at the Buccaneers, is that Todd Bowles coach defense. That defense is really, really good. The Russians are good. You look at Pierre Paul, he's definitely getting it done. You look at the young linebacker, like the, the scheme that Todd Bowles has, I think that's where missing the left tackle for Kansas City is going to be key. doesn't always blitz, but he always knows when to blitz. He blitzes at the right time. And that, I think, is going to be key for Tampa in this ballgame. From the press box to press row is one of the hottest sports talk shows in the country. Joey Dottle each week as he takes you on a journey through the world of HBCU sports and pro sports and interviews with top sports and entertainment figures. That's from the press box to press row each week on your favorite station. Listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Box to Box to Box to Row. Let's continue here on Box to Row. Of course, the Daytona 500 taking place on Sunday in Daytona Beach. You can watch it 2:30 p.m. Eastern on Fox. And my guest is the winner of the. 2015 Daytona 500, 2018 NASCAR Cup Series champion, drives the number 22 for Team Penske. He's Joey Logano, joins us here on Box to Row. Joey, welcome back to the program. How are you today? Doing well? Doing doing pretty good. Now, let me ask you, have you always driven the Ford Mustang throughout the course of your career? 
Um, for the most part, the last, uh, shoot, what's it about, the last eight years or so I've been driving a Ford. So most of my career at this point, yes. Okay, what, what did you drive before the Ford? I drove a Toyota before that, but um, the, the old Blue Oval's been running pretty well for me. So let's talk about 2020. You finished third in the final cup standings. Your thoughts on a challenging 2020? I mean, it's challenging in every way possible, just like for everybody. Um, you think of what the pandemic uh, really did for to everybody's life. It, it flipped everyone upside down. Uh, so, you know, trying to figure out how to, you know, compete, that we were competing without practice, without being able to see each other uh, as a team. Boy, it, it really presented a lot of new challenges that none of us were prepared for. Um, but I feel like as the season went along, we really started to find our own, and we got to the championship four, which is, you know, our Super Bowl. Um, got to it, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, really the last run of the race is where it, it seems like it kind of fell apart for us. But, um, you know, overall, I'm proud of the, the effort we made last year and, and the gains that we made as a race team. Yeah, I think what's interesting, and, and to your point, you mentioned challenging. I mean, I, th- I think coming in when you're working with new people, that's a challenge in of itself. And then you add COVID-19 to that. So with that, what was it like uh, working with Paul Wolf as your crew chief for the first time last year? Yeah, I think that's what, 100% is what made it a lot harder because, you know, we didn't know each other very well. So it's just start the season, right? And we didn't have the opportunity to really get to know each other well and and without practice, that's kind of the main way you get to know your crew chief is working on the car together through practice and, and working on, you know, what's important to, to my, me as a driver or, or what he thinks about strategy and, my, and I do too, right? And even during the race is having all that stuff planned out before stuff um, is it, really hard to do when you don't have practice, let me tell you. Uh, but I feel like, we've, like I said, we made good gains to where we were very competitive at the end of the year. Game Joey Logano drives the number 22 for Team Penske, joins us here on Box to Row. The Daytona 500 kicks off the NASCAR season Sunday, 2.30 p.m. Eastern. You can watch it on Fox. I think it's interesting because you guys started off the season back-to-back wins at Las Vegas and Phoenix. Um, And then, you know, talk about the challenges of trying to get back on track uh, again with a new crew chief in the midst of COVID, and you ultimately did get back on track, uh, as you mentioned, finishing third uh, in the final standings. Yeah, I mean, it, like I said, it was it was hard. Because we went through a bit of a, a tough time through through the summer months, um, you know, trying to get our, our Shell Penzo Mustang back to, to the, those winning ways that we were used to the first couple of races of the year. Um, you know, and, and those are the moments where, yeah, you, you definitely – it's more trying for sure. And you become stronger at the end of them. You know, you always get stronger while you're in the trench. Um, you know, and that's kind of those moments it was. And I felt like at the end of the year, it probably helped us that we went through that. Um, but just not fun at the moment <laughs> when you're in it, but uh, all is good now. Yeah. But I mean, true. Right. But you know, if you look at it, okay, three wins, I mean, you finished third ultimately, I know you want to win it, but you finished third ultimately uh, 12 top fives, uh, 21 top tens i mean that's that's not bad not good enough never good enough but uh you're always looking for more man you're never never satisfied never um you know complacent and and uh you know happy with what's there you know you always got to be hungry uh looking for more looking for more trophies more wins um you know more championships and then i think that's what's kind of kept us uh as a strong team for a long time is that we're just always 
looking for more wherever we can get it. I mean, is there anything you can point to? I mean, I know there were many, many races, but is there anything that you can point to? Because like you said, you want to win, even though the, you know, the numbers look decent uh, that you can point to, whereas maybe in some of those top fives or some of those top tens, uh, you know, maybe something happens where you could have ultimately finished number one. Um, I mean, there's, there's, <laughs> there's a million different things that you want to look at uh, differently and, and, and see, boy, you know, maybe we could have won this one or could have won that one. Um, you know, Bristol was one that comes to my mind where we were in the lead and got crashed out late in the race. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different, you know, things like that that will stand out to you throughout the year. Um, but at the same time, there's other, there's other moments where, you know, Vegas didn't look like it was a race we were going to win. And, and next thing you know, uh, you know, we're racing and, and, you know, the caution falls at the right time. Our strategy plays out just at the right time and, and we win it, right? So it just it goes back and forth. When you have a season as long as us, you're going to have races that, uh, unfortunately, you feel like you gave away. And then there's going to be races that you feel like you stole. And uh, it eventually comes out in the wash. Yeah, you know, you won this this race, the Great American Race at Daytona. It's a great thing. It kicks off the season. Uh, first, let me take you back to 2015 and what you remember uh, the, the most and, and, and uh, you know, sort of being on that day to ultimately win the Daytona 500 again back in 2015. Yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it's hard to bring you back to that day. That day was incredible. Um, you know, and it feels like it's so long ago now. Um, you know, you just want to do it again. Um, but, you know, winning that Daytona 500 is just the biggest, it's the biggest race of the year. It's important to, to try to have a good run and, and ultimately win that thing and get that Harley JRL trophy and have your name on that thing for, you know, two times. Uh, that, that's, that's what we're, the goal is here this weekend. So hopefully we can do that because there's really no feeling like winning the Daytona 500. Last couple of thoughts. What is it going to take to win on Sunday? What are some of the challenges perhaps, you know, other, you know that, the, that the track may present? <laughs> uh, I, I think it's the competitors more than the track. <laughs> uh, so, you know, like I said about earlier, you know, the Great American Race, Daytona 500, it is a big race, and F1 races super hard and very aggressively. Uh, and because of that, you know, there'll be a lot of bumping and banging on the racetrack, and there will be cars turned in the middle of the whole field, and there'll be the, the big one that we always talk about. Uh, I'm confident that will happen again this year. It's been happening on these super speedways quite a bit, so uh, we'll be on the lookout for that. Your 13th full-time season, does it feel like it's been 13 seasons now? My goodness gracious. I thought it was my 12th. I've done about six of these interviews before I called you, and I've been telling them it's my 12th season. Maybe it's my 13th season. It's been long enough that I don't remember how long it is anymore. That's funny. Last thought, uh, the Joey Logano Foundation. Talk to us a little bit about it. You you guys have, have, have uh, uh, done some great things over the years and even more specifically last year as it relates to COVID-19. Yeah, we've done, uh, you know, COVID-19, um, obviously pandemic where it affected, like I said earlier, it affects everybody's life uh, in so many different ways. And uh, I teamed up with Elevation Outreach. We put together a million-dollar response and recovery fund and, boy, we blew that through that money so quick uh, as we just saw so much need out there. And the support that we were able to receive uh, from all our, our supporters, um, not just financially, but, you know, physically helping um, in, in any way possible, uh, was, was just incredible uh, to see everybody come together in such a, a trying time. 
Uh, and we're continuing to do the same thing this year. You know, we have a, um, you know, next week here in Daytona, uh, we have a convoy, a hope truck coming that's going to deliver essentials to uh, people that need some stuff here in Daytona. So um, trying to help out these, these local race markets where um, we really used to impact these communities more so than we do now because we used to have a couple hundred thousand people here, uh, you know, and then now, you know, there's 30,000 fans coming because of the, obviously because of the pandemic and some of the restrictions. So, you know, all those things have definitely, uh, you know, changed it some and, and, you know, doing these, these things try to help bridge that gap and, and give back to the, the local race markets. He drives the number 22 for Team Penske, the 2015 Daytona 500 winner, 2018 NASCAR Cup Series champion. He's Joey Logano, joins us here on Box to Row. Joey, appreciate the time. Good luck on Sunday and throughout the course of the season. All right, man. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Joey Logano's got to be one of the favorites for the Daytona 500. Again, it's been a couple of years since he won the Great American Race. It should be a lot of fun, like, had a had an absolutely tremendous time in Daytona Beach last year there for Media Day, and uh, so should be a tremendous time. They're going to have about 30,000 fans or so. So, uh, again, as I mentioned, a couple of teams still going to play. Howard, Delaware State, South Carolina State have still expressed interest in terms of moving forward with a football season, so we'll have to see how it ultimately uh, plays out. Um, We had just released the coaches poll, the coaches poll earlier this week, and now we find out that the MEAC has canceled the season. But our coverage of HBCU football, which is extremely comprehensive, does not stop here on Box to Row. So log on to our website, BoxToRow.com, again, the HBCU Football Daily Podcasts. As a matter of fact, I had put together my top five players to watch. At number five, I had Jalen Harris, the cornerback for Prairie View A&M. This is a kid that's a shutdown type of corner. And I think what a lot of people don't know is that prior to coming to Prairie View A&M, this is his third year in the program, he was at UTEP. Prior to UTEP, he spent two years in the L.A. Dodgers farm system as a player he's a one definitely one to watch uh for the upcoming season at number four Keontae Hampton the linebacker from Jackson State was the SWAC's defensive player of the year last year with all of the talk of Deion Sanders and the recruiting class etc etc a lot of people aren't talking about Keontae Hampton who I think is an absolutely phenomenal player led the SWAC last year with 122 tackles at number three, I had Alabama A&M quarterback Akil Glass can make all the throws, 3,200 yards, uh, 3,600 yards passing last year, 32 touchdowns, is a top 25 na- National Football League prospect amongst all colleges. The kid can get it done. He's got good size, uh, pro quarterback size as well. Number two, had Jamaine Martin of North Carolina A&T, the running back, uh, what more can you say as a pro football player uh, right now? And it'd be interesting to see what he's going to do moving forward. And then number one to watch, Abdul Fateh Ibrahim, wide receiver from Alabama A&M, interested to see what he's going to do for the upcoming season. Got get ready to run here on Box to Row. Want to thank Ryan Smith and Joey Logano for joining us on today's program. 
And always remember to support those that support you. Box to Row is presented by DW Communications. Don't make me over. Now that-